Thank you. Thank you for leading us in worship today, and thank you all for your participation as we come into this special season of year that we call Advent. So uh, Craig uh, and his family have been on vacation this week. Uh, they're back in town. Craig's uh, going to be back in the office tomorrow. And so we're grateful for them and the chance for them to have some rest and relaxation. And then Craig will be back preaching for you next Sunday. So I wanted to talk to you today about uh, first a word of thanks to you as Mike prayed a blessing over the staff. I want you to know that the staff uh, loves you and is honored to serve here with you. Uh, you are not only people that we serve in a, a ministerial uh, function, but you're our friends, you're our family, and you're a blessing to us. And so I know I speak for all of us in saying to you, thank you for the way you bless our life and serve with us. We serve with you here at Southwest Christian Church. December is a very important month in the life of the church. I don't know if you realize how important December is. December is an important life, uh, important time in the life of the church. One of the reasons is because of all the activity and wonderful things that we have going on that you've seen on our slides of announcements that you've heard talked about. Uh, last week, we were thrilled to have so many of you participate in the Operation Christmas Child shoebox effort. I believe we had probably 160 or so shoeboxes come in last week, uh, so 170 maybe. Um, very grateful for that, and that's a wonderful way that we can introduce the season and bless other people. We also have uh, Christmas in Coweta that you're participating in, and out in the lobby there, uh, Sandra Corsi's there, and I believe we started out with 150 names, something like that, of families that we could help for Christmas. And as of this morning, we had 22 remaining, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful that you've reached out and said, we're going to help a family have Christmas this year. We also have a lot of different things coming up, like a concert on the 10th by the Troy Burns family. Uh, we have a Christmas cantata by our choir on December 19th. A lot of different things. This Saturday, the Christmas experience that you've been hearing about, and many of you are going to participate in and volunteer, and there'll be all kinds of things for children and families, uh, gingerbread house and craft making and live animals even, and that's going to be great. That's going to be great. So we encourage you to take part in that, and Jonathan will be calling attention to that at our announcement time also at the end of the service. We don't want to fail to mention the, one of the dearly loved traditions here at Southwest and churches all over the world, Christmas Eve candlelight services. And so that will happen here on Christmas Eve at 4.30 and 6 o'clock. And we encourage you to be a part of those things. But we also want to encourage you to invite someone to church this month. I don't know if you realize, but did you realize that, that as we talk about December, studies and research have shown us that December is the time of year when unchurched people are most receptive to being invited to church. Unchurched people most receptive during the time of December. So the different events that I've enumerated so far are all opportunities for you to invite somebody to church with you, and perhaps that plants a seed with them 
by being in church in December that they're going to continue into the next year. So I encourage you to be thinking of friends and family and co-workers and associates that, that you could say, hey, come, come to our Christmas experience or come to our candlelight service. Perhaps you can be a part of uh, planting a seed in their heart uh, to be involved in the, in the life of the church more fully in the year to come. Well, when we think about Advent at Southwest Christian Church, we can trace its history at this church back into the probably the 1980s, 1990s. We had an associate minister at that time, uh, dear friends to many of us, Tom Miller. And Tom Miller brought to the staff a, a sense of appreciation for some of the practices of the church that perhaps we weren't doing at that time. And one was Advent and Lent, observance observation of those seasons of the church year. And when we think about Advent at Southwest, it started, we used to do it on Wednesday night, introduce the season, but then we shifted to Sunday morning to give it more prominence and visibility. Now for some of you, Advent, the season of Advent is not something that you're unfamiliar with. Perhaps you grew up or come from a faith tradition that practiced that, and that's wonderful. But for others here today, you may be like me, having grown up in a church where it wasn't generally uh, observed. And, and so it takes a little time to kind of refresh us about what Advent is all about. Now, I know that those of you, uh, some of you were in Sunday school classes this morning that talked a little bit about Advent. So this may be a little bit redundant for you, but let me take a moment just to talk a little bit about Advent and, and what goes on with Advent. When we think about Advent, the word itself has a connotation of coming, arrival, uh, that type of thing. Um, as we think about Advent in the church, we celebrate the coming of Christ as the baby. We also celebrate the coming of Christ in the second coming. So we celebrate the fact that he has come, but we anticipate him coming again as part of Advent. Advent is a tradition of the church. In other words, it's not something that you'll find in the Bible. You won't find a verse about it or a command about it. But over the centuries, the church developed certain traditions that would help them uh, give more meaning to certain aspects of the Bible and truths in the Scripture. It's not commanded, but it is what we call a help, something that helps us. When we think about Advent, the history of it can be traced all the way back to the third or 4th century A.D., initially tied to, the, tied to the day of Epiphany, which had to do with repentance and preparation, uh, almost like Lent. But the Roman church in around 600 A.D. began to tie it more with the preparation for the coming of Christ and the birth of his, remembrance of his birth. Advent involves symbols. Symbols are important. Symbols help us. When we come in and we see a cross on the wall, or when we see a steeple with a cross on it, or when we see a baptistry, or when we see out in the foyer a round stone table that was a communion table at our church in East Point for many years, those are symbols to, them, to us. We don't worship those symbols, but those symbols help us. They help us remember things that have meaning, significant truths. The symbol today of the Advent wreath is before us. As we can thank the Lutherans for many years ago, our brothers and sisters in the Lutheran church, for first introducing this. The idea of a wreath that symbolizes life 
and greenery there. The colors of the candles, you'll see those colors there, purple and pink and white. The purple color originally having the connotation of humility, our humility before God, and, and, and awesome respect for what he's done for us, but also the humility that Christ demonstrated as he came as a baby in a manger. But then also the connotation that goes along with it is royalty, purple royalty, lordship of Christ, kingship of Christ. So those things are involved in the color purple that you'll see on the Advent wreath in these candles. We also have a pink candle. The pink candle has the idea of joy, rejoicing. And typically it is lit on the, the, the Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent in anticipation that he's almost here. And we're rejoicing as we've sung today of the coming of Emmanuel, King of Kings. In the middle, the white candle is what's called the Christ candle. And that candle is only lit on Christmas Eve at the culmination of the Advent season. Advent having the idea of expectation and hope, the sequence that we follow as we observe Advent is hope, love, joy, and peace. And then on Christmas Eve, the Christ candle. Today, we focus on the aspect of hope, hope, long-expected Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, you can read passages that, that prophesy a coming Messiah, and the people looked longingly for that Messiah to come and hoped for him to come with great expectation that he would come and make things right. One of the ways that we also experience Advent and a help for us is in Advent devotionals. One of the things you'll get today as you leave the service is this Advent devotional about hope and about the life in Christ. It's called A Wonderful Life in Christ. Now, are you familiar with the movie It's a Wonderful Life? I believe you are. If you're not, you'll have about 30 chances to see it between now and Christmas. And you need to take advantage of that because it's a classic movie. What just so happens this year when I was looking through Advent devotionals, this one jumped out at me because this Advent devotional talks about It's a Wonderful Life, the movie, and takes different scenes in the movie and ties it to truths that we need to remember in Advent and about the coming of Christ. So I encourage you to get one of these, to start putting it to use today and through Christmas Eve. And I think you're going to enjoy that. And those will be available to you at the conclusion of the service today. There are two passages of scripture that I'd like to focus on today, very simply. And uh, one is from Romans and one is from 1 Peter. So Romans chapter 15, verse 13 is the scripture I'll read first. And the scripture simply says this, words of the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then words from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, words of the Apostle Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today we lit the advent candle of hope. Hope is an essential part of life that is 
helps life become more than just existence. Hope can fuel extraordinary effort towards a goal in the face of dawning odds. Hope produces perseverance over the long haul, even when it's not easy. Hope gives the sometimes monotonous pace of life meaning. Without hope, we often fall into cynicism, despair, depression. But today I want to remind you during this season of Advent that Christ comes to give us hope. We read those scriptures today from the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. Now, I bet you recognize their names, the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter. Unchurched people, if they were talking about apostles or disciples of Jesus, the apostles, they might say Paul and Peter. When we would think about the prominent people, we'd think about Peter and Paul, and prominent they were. Because on the backs of these two guys, a lot of the wonderful beginnings of the church were built. Others helped. But we remember so much their names. And when we think about them, these folks that we associate with the foundation of the church, we think about two lives and two names of lives that have been changed in an unlikely fashion. Paul, we remember him as what? Saul of Tarsus an opponent of the church, trying to eradicate the church, do away with the church with all his might. And then finally, we see a change in him, for he becomes now not an opponent of the church, but a champion of the church, one who is a leader in expounding the gospel all over, anywhere he can. Paul, someone who formerly was trying to live perfectly under the law, frustrated by that, but a rising star in Judaism who now gives it all up to do what? To preach the message that he was opposed to, to preach the gospel because of his conversion on the road to Damascus and seeing the risen Lord Jesus. He now lives with a hope in his life. Peter, we know, is the fisherman that Jesus called. We know him for his impetuous, bold kind of nature, unpredictable, he was the type of person who would probably speak before he thought, led to inconsistencies in his life as a disciple. He was the one who said, we'll go and die with Jesus. <laughs> but also, he was the one who denied, who, who, who says, I, I, don't, I didn't know him. <laughs> I, I denied him. I don't know him. And, and, and three times he did that. Yet in the face of persecution and hardship, Peter became one of the great, great preachers and leaders of the church. Peter would now be someone who you couldn't stop sharing the good news with others. Both of these fellows, Paul, Peter, right now to different churches in different areas, but also these churches had something in common. They needed hope. They needed encouragement. They lived under the threat of persecution, perhaps physical in some instances, but also persecution in the environment they lived in in that Greco-Roman world where their family and their business associates and, and all other people would ostracize them and look down on them because of their abandonment of the, of the, the Jewish faith. Yes, there was, there was a, a, a pressure there. And, and, and it was a Greco-Roman world where the, the tenets of Christianity ran counter, were counterintuitive 
to what the, that world believed. It was a very narcissistic, self-centered world. And here comes this message of putting others first and turning the other cheek and self-denial. And these fellows preached that. Why? They had a hope now that lived within them. A hope. They encouraged their readers to look forward to a heavenly hope. Yes, yes, we look forward to a heavenly hope. But they also encouraged their readers to experience the living hope every day, to become part of God's kingdom people, changing people here, introducing Christ to them, changing the world here, one person at a time. The cynic would say you can't do that. People are the same. They're not going to change. But we know by the power of God that people can change. And Paul and Peter are great examples of that. A great message of hope. We need hope. And yet, interestingly enough, throughout history, the one, Jesus, who offers hope has so often been opposed. Many have tried to erase his name, to erase the memory of Advent from our Lord, our Lord from the season, from the books of history, from our minds. When I think about that, and I think about what's been going on unsuccessfully throughout history, the question comes to my mind, what if they'd been successful what if the story of Jesus that brings us hope today had been eradicated? What if what the world looked like if God's Son had not been born in Bethlehem to conquer sin, death, and the evil one? What if Jesus hadn't been born? Jesus had successfully been exterminated by King Herod. A lot of things in the world would look different. Our calendar would be different. For one thing, we would look around and we would, see, we would not see church steeples and we wouldn't see a lot of the universities and hospitals and charitable organizations that have their roots in the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. The world would be different during the Christmas season. There'd be Christmas cards that would not be sent, Christmas presents that would not be open, all kinds of things. Our world would be changed if Jesus had not come to bring us hope. But beyond those things that I just mentioned, the bigger things that would change would be that we would still be subject to the frustration of trying to live up to a law that we couldn't live up to. Our scripture would begin and end with, the wages of sin is death. And that's where it would end. If Jesus hadn't come, been born, and lived his life and completed his mission, we wouldn't hear the rest of the story that says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If Jesus hadn't come, we would always hear, the soul that sins will die, but we wouldn't hear. By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. And as Peter said, we've born anew to a living hope through Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. If Jesus was not born, then we'll always be like just animals. We'd be just, you know, going through a biological process from birth to death, living a life that had no hope beyond this life, beyond this life. 
just day after day. And as we, we became thinking people, and as we, as we went through life, we might be like some of the great Greek philosophers, like Socrates and Plato and so forth, who looked at life and, and, and saw a meaningless in it as they went through life. Because Jesus came, we have hope in the face of a life that is very, very hard and gives us a problems to face. It's a tough world. If Jesus hadn't been born in Bethlehem that day, the blind will never be able to look forward to a heaven when they'll be able to clearly see their Savior's face and their loved one's face. The deaf will never be able to look forward to a place when they'll be able to hear the anthems of the heavenly chorus. The crippled can't be given any comfort that a day will come when they will stand before God's throne of grace. Those in chronic pain will say, I'm always going to be in pain throughout this life and there's nothing beyond that that I can ever hope for. If Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem, there's no future reunion for that widow or widower who stands before that grave silently in tears mourning the one that they've spent 50 years with, perhaps. Jesus coming gives us hope. If Jesus had not come, there's no Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's no resurrection. There's no pathway to heaven and eternal life. There's no one else who can give us the hope that Jesus Christ can give us today. Pity and hopelessness, despair would be there for us if that baby Jesus hadn't been born and accomplished his purpose here on world, in the world and shown us what God looks like. But the new good news of the gospel today, and as we saw that in the scriptures as the angels announced the Lord's birth, what do they say? I come to give you good news. And the good news is this today. And the good news that we can have hope in today is that Jesus Christ has come. He has come. He did come. He did live a life, a sinless life. He did show us God, showed us the way to God. He did take our sins on him at Calvary. He did rise from the dead. He did ascend back to heaven. He is coming again. That's the gospel and the hope of the gospel that our lives today are forever changed and that we can know today that God knows us. He knows us by name. He knows who we are. He, in, he, he has empathy for us. His first inclination to us is grace and love and hope. And we can have hope for the future that life means something because of Christ and the living hope that we have. Peter and Paul weren't talking about some fantasy, some kind of wish upon a star kind of hope. They were talking about a real hope founded in a real event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and that Jesus has come to give us purpose. We go through life, and sometimes we feel like maybe people don't notice the things I do. God does. God sees. Not only the mix-ups and the missteps, God, only, God sees the things that we do right in his name the times we turn the other cheek, the times we're patient with people, and nobody sees it but us, but God sees it. And the scriptures say that one of the reasons that we should have joy and hope is because we have a meaningful life 
Our life means something because we're part of the, God, the, the, the kingdom of God. Our life has purpose regardless of whether the world knows who we are. Our life has purpose and hope because Jesus Christ knows who we are enough to give his life for us. Paul is talking about a hope that calls us to do things that other people wouldn't normally do. Do things that are other-centered, other-centered, other-oriented. Taking our cross upon our shoulders to carry just as Jesus did because he's called us to something. He's called us to remember that there's hope. A hope that believes in Christ's coming. A hope that believes in his cross. A hope that believes in his resurrection. A hope in what he has done. And a hope in what he will do. Because of the supernatural power of God, lives can be changed and are changed. And we have hope that there's more to this life than just the things that we see and go through every day. I heard a story recently that I want to share to you, with you as I come to conclusion today. There was a school system in a large city. It had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork during days that they were hospitalized. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to come and visit a particular child, student, who was hospitalized. She didn't know this young man. She took the child's name and room number and talked briefly with the child's regular teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in the class now, the teacher said, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand so that he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, the teacher stammered and stuttered as she told him, I I've been sent to your school, by your school, to help you with nouns and adverbs. But as she spent some time with him that day, she didn't feel like she'd accomplished much of anything with him, made any kind of difference with him. He just seemed so hopeless and disengaged. But the next day, a nurse excitedly asked her, what did you do yesterday in that room? What did you say to that little boy? The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 the nurse says. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting to get well. He's responded to the treatment and the therapy. It's as though he's decided to live. Curious about this change in attitude, a few weeks later, the boy was asked the question, what had happened? And he explained it this way. He said, yes, I had completely given up hope until that teacher arrived that day. Everything changed when I came to this simple realization. He expressed it this way. I figured 
They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, now would they? Hope changes everything. And Christ gives us hope. Not only for this life, that our world here can be changed as we are kingdom people, but also to know a day is coming when all will be made right and our lives have meaning and purpose and hope because of Jesus Christ being born and we give him glory today.